So, welcome to uh, the third class on intimacy with God and um, how to develop a heart after God. And we're in the orientation portion of this um, class and uh, have a number of chapters or sections to cover over the next nine months to a year. And so as we get started, I want to open our time in prayer. So, let's pray. Father, may we never um, have level have charges leveled on us as it pertains to coming into your presence in a casual manner. Father, may we um, take utmost diligence, have utmost diligence, and utmost care to acknowledge that we, um, when we come to you in prayer, that we come in, come into your very presence, into the very throne room, that we are. Um, granted access due to the shed blood of Christ. Father, it's, it is this um, flesh, fr- freshly slaughtered sacrifice that is once for all that gives us the ability to be able to come near to you and to have intimacy with you. Father, may as we draw near this morning, may your very spirit quicken each of the hearts that are in this room and each of the hearts that are on listening on the internet. Father, may you be lifted up in our midst. Father, we acknowledge before you that you alone hold all the treasures of the universe, that you alone are majestic, that you alone are eternal, that you alone are the one who is beyond all telling. Father, may you... um, Forgive us so often in our lives that we forget these very truths. Father, may you forgive us for the fact that we act in our lives as though you don't really matter. And the singular pursuits of our souls are so far apart from the things we acknowledge with our lips. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for the fact that we have traded things that matter most with things that don't. Father, as we we commit ourselves to this journey of knowing You, Father, I pray that You would show up, that You would disclose Yourself as You've promised You would, that You alone would be magnified in our lives. Father, I pray that um, we would be forever changed. May... You be glorified in our midst. Father, I thank You for just the privilege of yesterday and the remembering of now. Father, we were just talking a second ago just how she sat through much of, if not most of, our study on heaven, yet she is in Your, in your presence today. Father, may those truths that she was taught on this side reverberate for her on that side. Father, may you quicken our hope to be able to have eyes to see the unseen where only you exist in all your glory. Father, thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick, can we just pray for Linda Deneen? Yes. Um, she would love to be here this morning. Yes. She was telling me how much she's last. But um, she's in ICU at St. Joe's Hospital with Mina. Okay. And on a BiPAP machine, which is next step before they went 
Okay. Can I pray for Yes, you? can you? Yes. Father God, we just come before you. Um, our, our dear sister Linda, up to you. Knowing the struggle, the, just the long-term struggle she has, and the way her body's just afflicted with the pain, lungs just don't work to um, susceptible to these things, Lord. We know that you hold these things in your side, her, and Lord, we just up to you and pray that she senses your presence, Lord, and that um, she would be encouraged that the medicines that are going through her body would be um, helping her even as we her breathing with Lord, and, and that you would just protect her through this strength for navigate this journey. Amen. Thank you. Well, good. Uh, We're entering into the second section of our introduction, which is an orientation, and it's really about crystallizing this call that uh, God is uh, knocking on the door of each of our hearts about. There is a book you should have received, hopefully, when you came in, if you haven't got it already, um, is Chuck Swindoll's book on intimacy with the Almighty. We wanted to be able to make that available to you. Throughout our time together, um, I think we'll have at least one other book for sure um, also that we'll be um, referring to, or referring you to also, that we'll be able to hand out during our time together. Um, So take that and uh, start uh, looking through that and reading it. They're very short chapters, but they're power-packed. Yeah, they're power-packed, and you really got to set it down for, you know, a little bit and really let... um, I always talk about, you know, somebody asked me, you have... Have I read that book? <laughs> I always pause for a second because it's one thing to read a book. It's another thing to let the book read you. And this is a book where you want to let the book read you and, and, and allow it to, to really sift your heart. So we uh, started uh, our orientation with uh, Image Bearer um, a couple weeks ago. And then last week we started into this Crystallizing Our Call. And we looked at um, our quest, which is knowing God. And the objective from last week was to, um, the learning objective was to intentionally yearn to, see, to know God and seek Him with all our hearts. To yearn, intentionally yearn to know God and seek God with all our hearts. Um, the, uh, <clears throat> the problem we defined, which is you'll see really at the beginning of Chuck Swindoll's book also, is that the core problem is an absence of intimacy with the Almighty. Involvements, yes. Familiarization, yes. But not intimacy. Activities and programs, um, really up the wazoo, but not intimacy. Um, And so, um, we talked about we need to cultivate a different position of our hearts, and that position is going to take time, and that, um, but, but, but all in, we're really asking you to make a a personal commitment to this journey. And and it, what you'll find is over the course of the first four, five, six weeks during this, what we call this um, um, orientation component, you're going to continue to see another level of detail or um, depth um, from the standpoint of the, the specific call that we're asking you to make for this journey. Okay, so, the, so last week was about... Um, uh, knowing God, going on this journey, committing to, understanding why, um, understanding um, where am I at in that, um, like, and then and then figuring out like how to move forward with that. Um, we we saw last week that um, 
uh, we want to inten- uh, uh, when we say intentionally yearn, it means to conscientiously uh, move that way, uh, to go on this journey. We said this this word no uh, really conjures up a, a personal experiential process. It's not about just learning some stuff. It's about beginning the process of, of, of tasting and see that the Lord is good and knowing Him intimately. Um, and we said the highest calling for mankind is to know God. So, I mean, I can't imagine why this journey wouldn't be the most important thing that, like, we're all doing. Like, all in. Like, all in. You know? And so, like, hopefully that's starting to kind of crystallize in your, in your minds. Um, we said, why should we desire to know God? I gave you 12 great reasons that, like, like explode from the pages of Scripture. Um, but most importantly, I think the most important thing here is, is um, that uh, uh, I once had a thousand desires, but in my one desire to know you, all else melted away. And so that really has, has kind of been reverberating on my heart um, over the last few weeks. Um, and then we said, uh, I asked the question, it's more of a personal question, right? Like, what, what are you obsessed with? Like, like, if you took stock of where your obsessions are, your, your compulsories, like, what are, you, what are you obsessed with in your life? Um, is, 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 that, is that knowing God? And we looked at Solomon, we looked at Peter and Paul, and the, and, and the thread through all of those is that in Christ are found all the treasures of the universe. Why wouldn't we want to know Him and Him alone? And so that was our our pursuit there, and we said, and seek Him with all our hearts. So it's one thing to make a commitment to know Him. It's another thing to go on a journey to seek Him. And, he, and God says that when we go on that journey, like He'll disclose Himself to us. Like He's going to show up. He's going to be a part of that journey, and He's going to tell us about who He is, and we'll have this amazing pleasure of discovery in the journey. And, uh, and it's in the pursuit of knowing God that He will... It's in the process of us going from encounter to encounter in our lives, like uh, opening the Word of God, letting the Word of God read us, and therefore allowing our, our lives to be changed moment in, moment out, from encounter to encounter, to become more like Christ. And uh, we talked about um, that being a face-to-face process. Now, obviously, we're not literally face-to-face, but that's the picture that we have in the scriptures when like in James and other things like like beholding in a mirror right so it's like like face to face with him in that time those times of intimacy and then uh, I talked a little bit about the glory of God and the um, the amazing uh, beauty of the aggregated uh, characters character traits of God is the glory of God it's manifested in brilliant incandescent white hot blazing light of which no man can see and live. And so, as we think about this, it's really the glory of God that we are on on a, on a pursuit of knowing, understanding, tasting, seeing, realizing the glory of God. And, and that journey, by the way, then puts our um, who we are um, and the glory of God at stake in this world. Because as we either live for Him or don't live for Him, that glory is, is can be tarnished in our lives and with with our, our our input from other people. Okay, so then, in summary, we said as we intentionally yearn to know God in all His glory, 
and seek Him with all our hearts. He has promised He will disclose Himself to us. This exciting journey will be a never-ending pleasure of discovery that no other pursuit can ever rival. And it will fulfill us and fully satisfy our souls. Fully satisfy our souls. So, um, last time we got together, um, I don't know what that is. Um, I gave you some homework. I talked about uh, going through and reading these 16 verses uh, that speak about, um, quote, to Him be the glory. It's amazing what you can find in that kind of a, of a, a assessment. Um, we, we could spend three or four times just going through this. Um, uh, there's, so, there's so much here and there's so much power in them. Um, but as we think about um, the homework and what you read and like high-level observations, any comments that you want to make at all? Um, I, I, I give you my assessment on that first page of your outline there. Any, any comments about like uh, your homework, overall, your, what you've been learning, what you're hearing, what you're finding out, your observations about anything from this last week? Yeah, Sammy. You don't have these statements, but, uh, but, it, but it's, it's reality. So basically, the intimacy, I did an experiment. I was going to read, based on my reading, which was his, mm-hmm. okay? And I was just going to quickly write out, you know, what I found was I was doing my homework. I think yes. <laughs> uh, and, and that's pretty obvious. What I intended to do was go back, and I did. Then I, I as earlier about the that scripture. Yeah. And when I did that, and it's overwhelming. It blows me away. Yeah, it's overwhelming. So the point I'm trying to make is you have to spend time, not just reading. I have to spend time with all of my mind. Amen. And so that's that's the discipline of it. That's just the experience. Amen. Amen. Other things. I see the story. Yeah. But there was a theme, this relationship permeating. She was glorified in his son. Amen. For God's glory for yeah. us. And yeah. It's so powerful. Yeah. Amen. That's exactly, it was for us. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I, I kept trying to sep- just focus on what I was learning about God and yeah. that, but I couldn't separate. That yeah. Because ultimately, it was for, you know, one of the verses talked about our sanctification to prepare us for all of eternity. Correct. So that that's sort of a wow. So a Amen. Factor of that. Oh, and, and I, you know, I'm like, these are good verses to have and go through again. Amen. And one time through what that <coughs> Amen. Amen. I actually have them set aside and I go through them on a regular basis. Uh, other, any other thoughts about the verses or the week or the comments that came well, across? About I don't think we can yeah. Amen. That it is for us. Yeah. 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 And, and it's not some thing to know it's something to taste it's something to experience right. like like you're you just explained sammy like like when you went into it with just going through the checklist you know the verses and everything else that was one level of cognitive understanding right um but to go through it at that other level that you're talking about now that's like whoa that's tasting that's that's savoring yeah um, we all have earthly fathers. Yet, when we hear somebody else say something about our father, we all go, yeah, but. 
I knew him so much better. I know so much more. The same thing is true with God. Mm. Reading a, a verse is like somebody else saying something. Mm. But internalizing it. We can go internal and know so much more than that verse Amen. says literally. Amen. Well, I think I think this concept of us sharing uh, throughout the week um, what's happening, what's going on, I think it can be just revolutionary. It was it was revolutionary for me just to hear people processing, navigating, thinking, um, assessing, um, concluding, um, praising. Um, all of those things that that was really powerful for me. And I want I, I really want to encourage that as we go forward, week on week, what God's doing. Any other thoughts before we go on? So great job there. Um, um, so let's move to uh, it, uh, this next side, which is crystallizing the call, um, our motive, pleasing God. Um, this week we'll take. Uh, um, we'll probably take a couple weeks uh, this week and next week, so I probably should have said part one on this. Um, the uh, um, so having crystallizing a call last week, our quest this week, our motive to purposefully live for the pleasure of the King. This will be on page two of your notes, um, starting there. To purposefully live for the pleasure of the King. Um, the next component of the of the orientation is uh, and the and the call to, to um, crystallizing the call to, for, for a decision of our hearts is, is our worship. And we'll talk about that after. There's to honestly evaluate and deliberately or reorient the passions of our hearts. So um, today is to purposefully live for the pleasure of the king. So our motive today, um, I really like this picture. It was great. Can we please God? <laughs> Isn't that good? Um, I just love her intensity you know, of, of wonder, you know, I, I just, I really appreciate that. But our day, our t- today's learning objective is to understand the nature of faith and the role my decisions can play in pleasing God. The nature of faith and the role my decisions can play in, um, uh, pl- play, it can play in ple- pleasing God. Um, kind of built, bridging last week to this week, I, I wanted to share, show this to you, um, Yearning to please God and actually pleasing Him are one and the same. I love this. I didn't have it in my notes here, but you may want to write it down. Yearning to please God and actually pleasing Him are actually one and the same. (laughs) The amazing thing about God is that He can actually know our hearts. (laughs) And so when we make a decision of the heart to to want to please Him, like like it's in the process of yearning to, to, to do that, um, that he actually is pleased. Um, that that's pretty cool. That's pretty neat to, to 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 know that that actually starts to come into existence. So today we're going to talk about how does that come into existence? How does it materialize in our lives? And I want to make it really practical as we go through our time together. If we don't get through it all, then we'll just pick up the next time. Also, um, so our motive, our motive. Um, First question I want to ask is, what do you mean by faith? What do you mean by faith? What do you mean by faith? Um, well, each of us could have a perspective on this, but my hope is that I don't have much of anything to say unless we talk about it from the scriptures. So let's t- let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews. 
Um, this week and the next few weeks, interestingly enough, we're going um, to talk through Hebrews a little bit. Because um, much of what we want to share is found in there. Um, would somebody read verse 1 of chapter 11 of Hebrews? Okay, you used the word sure, and you used the word certain, didn't you? Um, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What does, what does assurance mean here? What does that mean? What does assurance mean? Okay, 100% certainty. You have a certainty about something. A surety. You are sure it's going to occur, right? It says that assurance of things, surety or assurance of things hoped for. What, are, what, do, what do you think the author means by that language? Things hoped for. Promises for the future. Okay, promises for the future from who? From, the Lord. from God. Absolutely. It's from God. Promises for the future from God. So the fact that I believe, I have absolute surety about the things hoped for, the things that are promises from God, okay, is the first part of this. He says, and the conviction of things not seen. The conviction of things not seen. So conviction being what? What is conviction again? If you're fully convicted, you're convicted about something, it's what? You're fully convinced. Fully persuaded, right? Um, you have, you have. I mean, no one can move you off of understanding what that looks like and is. Um, no amount of object, uh, you know, no amount of other things um, brought to the table can change that full persuasion, if you would. Um, and so, let's take a look at uh, a couple of verses here that help us kind of. Um, Look a little deeper here. Second Corinthians four eighteen. Second Corinthians four verse eighteen. If somebody's got that. Would you read that? So here we learn an incredible paradigm, an incredible uh, axiom, incredible kind of something that's does a paradox. Um, and what is the paradox that we learn here from Scripture? Again, back to conviction of the things that God says that are different than how we view things. What? So another whole realm called the spiritual realm that is around us, aware, um, and um, according... What's fascinating... So he says here that... um, He says here that... (laughs) Things that are seen, what are the th- what is the things that are seen? What are the things that are seen? This world, touch, feel, this world system as we know it, right? All this world. Right. So this world is dying. This world is, has, has an end to it. We, we know from, from, from Scripture. It's dying. He says here, um, by the way, the context is about the fact that our bodies in this world are dying, right? And he says, um, um, but, but at the, we, we don't look at the things that are seen, the world, this world system, but we look at the things that are not seen. 
for the thing spiritual, as Anne said, for the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So, what conclusions would you have? Would you make from just reading through that verse? It could extend to a number of different areas tied to this conviction of things unseen. Well, they they could be important, but they don't seem to be because they're not forever. They're not eternal. At least some of the most of the things we see. I mean, people are going to be eternal, right? Um, so. Yes, I mean, if it was important from to God, then it's going to have an everlasting component of it. But much of this doesn't. Uh, what else? It, it was it was last week or whenever I talked to Mary Duncan, morning after the family addiction of things. Yeah, you know, and it, that was like well, I love her that. <laughs> you know, she was very important to Mary, and it wasn't like it was easy. But she said, "But Connie, we know that we know." And I just like, and you could see that she was completely certain of that. You know, that she had no bad, but no sort of kind of guilt. Grief. So like, oh, yeah, yeah. She was, she, yeah, she was mourning, but not with one without hope. Amen. So she just knew that. Amen. So that's the kind of conviction we're talking about here. And, and, and he says, um, the, the things that are not seen, the spiritual dimensions, are actually the ones, even though we can't touch and feel them, are the ones that are going to be everlasting. They're the ones that are going to, 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 to last forever. And yet, so many times, I, mean, I don't know about you, but so many times I put more faith and trust in the things that I'm, I, I touch and I feel, uh, and they're more real to me than the unseen. I think things that you... That you really love, mm-hmm. that you put them first. Well, in a few weeks, we're going to talk about idols and um, what they are, how they manifest themselves, and how they, um, what, how, what, how, what are their roles, or what, what do they, the, the, the issues that they have in our lives, um, and how to overcome them. So you're right. Um, turn with me to Second Timothy one twelve. 2 Timothy 1.12. Anybody? I am not ashamed. So why in the world would Paul go through this suffering, all the things he's navigating, um, what, what makes it worth his while? Yeah, that day that he says, I have come to a conclusion in my life. I've, I, I know that I am convinced. I'm convinced. Um, I'm convinced. And, and, and the reason why he can be convinced, is the, the secret to that, is just before that where he says, I know who I have believed. So he knows about being, his, fully con, his full conviction, his full persuasion about God's promises, both in the now and in the future, are anchored in His intimacy with God. Are anchored in His intimacy with God. You get that? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yes. All of us have a trust from God. My question is, do we know what that trust is? And are we faithful in that trust? Yeah. 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 Amen. Amen. It's like 
totally intimate. He, he's like saying, I get my ability to navigate what I'm going through because of my intimacy with God. Yeah. Amen. Um, yeah. And who is yeah. the only one who is the only Faithful. 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 Amen. Speak. Speak from the choir loft. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, uh, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Anybody? However, continue in the faith to become convinced from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the same writings which are able to give. So now we take it to a next step, right? So one is knowing God. Now he says, "What you uh, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of." That word, convinced of, convicted of, per- fully persuaded. How um, uh, knowing from whom you learn them? So. The, the mentors in your life, the those who are who have discipled you, those who have um, known you and helped you th- think through life's challenges, like you know them. Like it's hard to trust somebody you don't know, but you know them. You know God. You know them. That's why you can stand in the gap, be fully convinced of these things. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, and then last but not least, let's turn back to Hebrews 11, verse 7. Hebrews 11, verse 7. <clears throat> Somebody? So he says, By faith Noah being warned about, by God about things not seen in reverence or in worship did something. So what is this not seen, not yet seen, he says, not yet seen? What is that? Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was going to happen in the future? Which, in this situation, was something the world had never seen before. <laughs> there had never been rain. Had never been a flood. Never been anything like this before. And yet, God said it's coming. And so he believed God. Look at verse twenty-seven. Here we see Moses um, in Egypt. Verse twenty-seven. Somebody read that. Oh my goodness. This verse is amazing to me. It's like, here's Moses with the most influential man on earth in hot pursuit of who of him. And he says, he says, like, I mean, he knew what he knew what um, Pharaoh could do to him, but he chooses by faith to leave Egypt, quote unquote, not fearing the wrath of the king. Why? Why was he able to endure? Why was he able to stand up underneath? Why was he able to weather the storm and, the, and, and navigate the road ahead of him? It was because he saw the unseen. He saw the unseen. He saw him who is unseen. Wow. Does that mean that like God showed up? Well, we know he did in the burning bush for him, but this is a different situation. I, I think he literally is... is, is is speaking to his intimacy with God. His ability to be able to know God, the one who is unseen. To be able to see him, maybe not physically with his eyes, but to see him spiritually. Have him be before him as he went through and made decisions and, and you know, in order to please God. Um, so, seeing the unseen, seeing him who is unseen, I'll suggest is how we endure. It's how we navigate life. It's how we stand up hope. It's all of the above. And we're going to get into more of that. Any other thoughts on that? It, it's 
it's a spiritual sight, isn't it? It's almost like yeah. a veil lifted yeah. up. That, I mean, it's not something we really are seeing with our eyes. No. Correct. Exactly. Yes. You knew when she opened her mouth that came, right. <laughs> you know, from as scripture, right. but right. was truth. You know, Amen. Um, and the reason why we can be so strong on that is because that is a reflection of the unseen, God, His character, who He who He is, and what He said. Faith is learning to live life from a divine viewpoint. Faith is learning to live life from a divine viewpoint. A divine viewpoint. Faith is trusting God, resulting in sustained obedience. Sustained obedience. So it's learning to trust, learning to live life from a divine viewpoint. And faith is trusting God, resulting in sustained obedience. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. We're going to look at this a little bit deeper in a minute. But we walk by faith and not by sight. Um, How is this any different than anybody else in the world who's a non-believer too? I mean, is it really sight or is it faith that everybody walks with? I mean, he says sight here because he's alluding to the fact that you can touch and feel and see it, right? But don't everyone walk by faith and not by sight in some way, shape, or form? Yeah? I mean, we're admonished to do it as seeing him who is unseen. Any thoughts on that? Foundation that we're living yeah. on. We're living on the foundation of the world. Yeah. And we're, we're strictly by sight. <laughs> But if we're living on an eternal foundation where God is our baseline, yep. then it's a little different. Yeah. What's fascinating to me is when you un- when you unbundle it and you ask the questions about the people who are living their lives living uh, walking by sight, I'll suggest that there's a whole lot of faith that they're taking into consideration also in the way in which they walk by sight also. Yeah. Yeah, this is I don't have, therefore, being all, yeah. and then emergency. Mm. Mm. And, and therefore, we also have our ambition, Amen. That, whether at home or absent, to be. Yeah. And so the whole kind of funnel is feeding to that verse right there, which is the conclusive statement of the things that just came before that, which is that we have as our ambition, our motive, <laughs> back to the top of this, okay, our motive, the The reason why we live our lives is very clear. It's that that we would please Him in our life. So we'll come back to that one for sure. But for sure, that is what He's saying here, is our lives are to please God. So let's let's move on. Walk by faith, not by sight. Um, This is not the greatest. I think I have to close that that window. I think that's the one that's causing us problems. Yeah. Um, You won't be able to do it there. so, what are the essential ingredients of faith? Even that doesn't work. All these need to be changed. <laughs> it's, it's in my budget for the year. Um, what are the essential ingredients of faith? So, I want to, I want to bring you to a place uh, in Scripture, Hebrews chapter 10, and I want to make this real from an from a example perspective. Because what we're going to talk about here are seven ingredients of faith that 
are critical for us to understand. Otherwise, like we we won't be able to navigate these things. Okay, seven ingredients of faith. Um, who can give me a f- those that have been around me in Hebrews? Who can give me a framework for what's happening in in Hebrews as a book? Because it's important to anchor in the anchor in the framework. What's what's happening? Like like a lot. <laughs> yep. Following God or not following yep. Case for Christ. Case for Christ. Amen. It's case for Christ because these are Jewish believers, right? Who have, who have, be, uh, they're Jewish people who have become believers in Christ, and and in in parallel with that, they've they've been kicked. I mean, there's this diaspora or this um, this explosion out of Jerusalem in in Israel, and as they've had to go to all different places around the Mediterranean area. And so this is written to the twelve to all those people who are out and around that have been scattered. And so um, in the process of being scattered, another huge thing that's happening is that God uh, uh, God has allowed Nero to be on the th- on the throne. And uh, Nero being on the throne has ushered in a whole new wave of persecution. So this persecution from the government's on, on steroids now, and on top of that, you have now been ostracized from the only community you know. Because as a Jew, Jewish culture, you orient around Jews. You stay in 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 that neighbor those neighborhoods. So your your friends are all Jewish, your family's Jewish. You work for Jewish uh, 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 employers most likely. Um, and a lot of your friends are now been put in prison because of their faith in Christ. Um, you're in the process of losing your home. You probably have lost it already. And your job, most likely too. And everything in life is screaming at you that says, like, okay, the adversary is whispering in your ear saying, like, if you just renounce Christ, you can go back the way it was. You're not get, you know, Rome is not after you as Jew. They're after you as a Christian. You can go back into your in the way it was before. Just let it all go. It's, you know, it's not worth it, right? You can have everything back the way you had it before. That's the call that's on the table. And so, what Hebrews is all about is no. You don't understand. Like Christ is worth everything. He's worth. Everything in your life. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than the old covenant, the new covenant. He's greater than everything. Like, what in the world would you ever come to the conclusion that you would give this up for him? Like, he's worth it. Steady on. Press on. Bear up underneath. That's the message of Hebrews. Okay? And so with that backdrop, we come to this, this, this essential ingredient of faith. So the first essential ingredient of faith is a daunting risk or conflict or crisis. A daunting risk or conflict or crisis. Uncertainty is thrust upon us. Thrust upon us. And in this, we feel like this. Out of control. Engulfed. Overcome. Overwhelmed, underwater. You keep going. 
that's the crisis du jour. That's what's on the table. First ingredient of faith. Verse 32, he says, But remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. What's fascinating to me here is that it always is the case that when we have a great adversary, after we've been enlightened, be ready. (laughs) Be ready. Because there is coming a crisis. There's coming a conflict. There's coming a great risk. And it will be daunting in our life. 1 Peter says, 4.12 says, um, Do not be surprised, my brethren, about the fiery trial that is overwhelming you, coming upon you. James 1.2 says, you know, have, it, have all joy, my brethren, when you are, find yourself in the midst of great multivariable trials. Right? It says, don't be surprised. Don't, be, don't let this kind of catch you by surprise, knowing that. For 2 Timothy 3.12 says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All who do that. So don't be surprised. Don't let it catch you... Um, unawares, brethren, is is the point. Daunting risk. Second is a challenging struggle in our mind. A challenging struggle in our mind. A challenging struggle in our mind. Look Look at verse 33. He says, Partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. So what is he saying? This suffering manifested itself in two ways, right? What are the two ways? Personally ashamed because of the, the being, being persecuted, and secondly, being associated with friends who are in the same way, same, same situation, um, that, that, that they're being so treated also. And, and, and what's fascinating is he calls being a sharer, a sharer in this persecution, Sharer means that we ha- we're in common with it. Okay? In common with it. And so when you come to this point, you see it, there's a fork in the road. Isn't there? Like, like, it's right there, right in front of me. Like, I have to make a decision. So what's fascinating is, God in all His glory, in His most loving discipline in our lives, always uses circumstances, situations, and people to bring us to a place or a fork in the road by which we will make a decision. Third thing is a worthy object. A worthy object. A worthy object. We will fully lean into worship, fully lean into or worship who or what we really know, and who or what we really treasure. Who or what we really know, or who and what we really treasure. So, when I think about this worthy object, I may come to this fork in the road, the decision point that's going to determine who I am, what I become, you know, everything. And I may choose to please myself and therefore give it all up, go back. Or I may choose, I mean, that worthy object because I don't know God the way I need to and really know Him in all His glory. I may lean into who I know. I know myself. I'm going to make that decision for myself. What do I really treasure? 
Maybe I really do treasure myself more than I treasure making a decision for God. Made lots of decisions in my life that way. But the worthy object will be determined by who we know and, 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 and who we treasure or what we treasure most. Does that make sense? Yeah? The fourth is a conclusive decision of the heart. A conclusive decision of the heart. Look at verse 34c. He says, why did, the, why, did, why did they make this decision? According to the end of verse 34, he says, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and an and abiding one. A better possession and an abiding one. So I come to this, and first of all, I look at knowing. The word knowing is to conclude or become fully persuaded. It's the same thing we were looking at earlier, convicted, convinced, right? It's the same word, fully convinced. What? That we have a better and an abiding possession. A better and an abiding possession. Better means what? (laughs) A comparison of what? Quality, right? Quality. So it's qualitative in nature. So better means I've made a value proposition decision about two things and I've weighed them and I've made a qualitative decision that it's qualitatively better. Does that make sense? Better. Second is an abiding possession. So not only is that better than what I have, or I'm going to go through, but I'm also saying that that is an abiding one, meaning that it's eternal. It, I've made a weighted value proposition, and, and I've concluded that, that doing this here has eternal or longer-lasting ramifications of, 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 of implications in my life than, than, than this one here. Does that make sense? A better and abiding, qualitative and quantitative decisions uh, made. Um, Hebrews 11.9, look at this. Hebrews 11.9 says, By faith, Abraham lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So what city is he looking for? Was it Jerusalem? Was it something else? What is the city he's looking for? Whose maker and builder is God? The new Jerusalem. (laughs) That's why I faked you out. (laughs) Did a head fake on you. (laughs) Yeah, it's the new Jerusalem is what he's looking for. It's the city who has whose maker and builder is God. And 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 when it says foundations, the 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 original language really means like has eternal foundations. Like it's 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 a it's eternal thing uh, that he's that he's in hot pursuit of. So so he's looking for the city and look at verse. Verse 16, he says, but as it was, but as, that, as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call them their God, for he has prepared a city for them. 
He has prepared a city for them. So they desire a better country, a better city, a better place. Better meaning in quality. And one that is foundations that are eternal. Abiding possession. And so he's saying here, those people make, make this conscientious decision back in verse chapter 10, verse 34, knowing that you have yourselves a better possession and an abiding one. So I just want to say that um, you've, you've probably heard me say this before, everything matters in this decision. Everything matters. There is no little stuff. So many times we think we can make decisions on the little stuff, and when we get to the big stuff, we crater. I'll suggest that is why we crater on the big stuff. <laughs> it's because we haven't made good decisions in the little stuff. So every little thing matters. You know, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, you know, whether I'm eating or drinking, do all for the glory of God, right? Um, Colossians, you know, um, you know, make him uh, the most important thing in my life. Um, Isaiah 43, 7, let me, look at, let me share that with you real quick. You don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you. Um, Isaiah 43, 7 says, um, Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory. So, like, God says, like, I've created all, y- all y'alls. <laughs> like, not for your glory. I've created you. Like, the very purpose statement of your life is that you are created for my glory. That's it. My glory. You are not your own, according to um, 2 Corinthians you know that you are you, we've been created to please God 1 Corinthians 5 7 2 Corinthians 5 14 15 like that the love of Christ would constrain me that I would not live for my own anymore but that I would live for the one who has bought me yeah for sure so everything matters and pleasing God is always worth it always worth it last but not least he says let's go back to um, verse uh, uh, uh Verse 2 of chapter 11, he says, For by faith, or for by it, the men of old, those in the Old Testament, gained approval. What does he mean by gained approval? What does he mean by that? Gained approval. Respect? In whose, in whose mind? In the people's mind, maybe? Okay. In God's mind. In God's mind, okay? In God's... So, sometimes we know that that also gives them respect in people's mind minds, right? But the most important thing here is that he says, he's building off verse 1, faith is assurance hope for the conviction of things not seen. For by it, by faith, men of old gained approval before God. So, for it, by this kind of faith, the men of old gained approval, they were attested to by God. That their actions and their decisions of their hearts pleased God. That they pleased God. Okay, A conclusive decision of the heart. Next, a resulting outward act of obedience. A resulting act of outward obedience. 34a, chapter 10, 34a says, For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. You showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Outward act of obedience. Seizure of property, letting it go and being selfless in my decision-making to be able to, to, to serve somebody else. That's what that decision, 
the outward act of obedience was of the internal decision of the heart. Next is a settled disposition of the soul. A settled disposition of the soul. Verses 35 through 38 says, follow along with me. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Yet, in a very little while, he who is coming, Christ Jesus is he, will come, and he will not delay. But my righteous ones shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. How can, the point here is, the question is, is how, how can I bring God pleasure? By trusting in him. By trusting in him. So, the first settled disposition of the soul is joyful countenance. Joyful countenance. 34, he says, you ex- accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Joyfully the seizure of your property. Second is confidence. Verse 35. Confidence. He says, do not throw away your confidence. It has great reward. So right here he's saying that one of God's rewards is like in the here and now. It's not all just about there. God is so passionate about intimacy with God that he wants to give us like here and now um, uh, components of, uh, that, that, that give us a settled disposition of the soul. Next is endurance. Endurance. He says, for you have need of endurance. You know, I paused on this. I paused on this this verse. Now, how many of us in this room alone, much less in there, much less in their believers in this world, have need for endurance? I do. I have need for endurance, and and, and I think I, it just astounds me. Like when people are in the midst of the incredible suffering that's going on in Iraq, in Africa, in Nigeria, right where I grew up. <laughs> they have need, great need for endurance. And according to chapter 12, verse 3, he says, How do we gain endurance? Considering him who has endured such hostility against sinners, against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. How? According to verse 2, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Endurance. Next is sustaining hope. Sustaining hope. He says, yet in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Jesus Christ is coming again. That should be our great hope. And it should sustain us in the middle of. Like great hope. Our living hope is what Peter calls it. Sustaining hope. And seventh is an eye to rewards. An eye to rewards. An eye to rewards. He says in 35b, he says, don't throw away your confidence, confidence which has great reward. Um, verse 36b says, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. That's a reward. Receive what was promised, if you would. Um, and so, when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, um, Without faith, faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a what? Rewarder of those who seek him. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. Look at verse 26. Considering the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, he was what? 
Moses was looking for the reward. Looking for the reward. It's not inappropriate to look for the reward. The great news is that God, God gives us Christ as our reward, whether it's this side or that side. Um, and but 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 there's something greater than not greater than but there's there's also some component of reward that has that goes beyond only intimacy, and and God is in the process of rewarding us that way. Um, you can look at these other verses; they they speak to that too. Revelation twelve twelve says, "You know, I'm coming quickly to give my reward to those who trust in me." Um, so, in closing, let me just re- remind you of three things that. That, that support this idea of rewards. It's the three things that I have like emblazoned in my mind when, I, f- when I'm confronted with the decision of f- to choose faith. Um, and by the way, my ability to decide to choose faith in God is the decision that pleases God. And it's also the, the one that either opens the door to int- intimacy in my life or slams it shut. Um, and that is that God sees everything, God remembers everything, and God rewards everything. God sees everything, God remembers everything, and God rewards everything. He says here, um, He will remember these things. Uh, don't throw your confidence out, which has great reward. I'm coming back. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you what I promised you is coming. And so. Um, with that, we'll close our time this today. You, there is a um, if you look at your handout, what your um, homework is. Um, we'll pick up the summary next time. Is uh, scripture? Read Hebrews eleven verses forty four through forty. This is what we call the Hall of Faith, if you would. This is going to be an opportunity for you to really um, get your fingers dirty in the Word of God and understand what I'm asking you to come back with is how many things can you find that, quote, walking by faith involves? How many things you can find that walking by faith involves? This is one that we will go through in our time together also. So you'll have an opportunity to be able to share that too. Okay, along with that, songs, music videos, I gave you one, teaching videos. Um, I want you to go on a journey, go out and look and find the ones that mean the most to you. And what I'd like you to do on those really is start sharing them with each other. And, you know, I mean, there there's four things that came through this week that I, uh, I was, I was, I went and, you know, looked at those and watched them and did it. That was just so, such a great blessing for me. Such an amazing blessing, personally. Um, because each one of these tell us a little bit about one another and what God's doing in, in that in that process. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sammy, can you close us in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you higher on near to us. Not only give us a mind like you, pray that you would uh, study into. I got just a short update on Linda, and she's still on the bike technique. She's not.